Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. And today we have a very special episode for you guys because not only are we interviewing the Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal, but we are also speaking with the one and only Nicolas Cage. Now, because each of these chats are relatively lengthy, 15 minutes apiece, we are taking off from our usual Moon Knight recap and news-filled episode this week, and we'll lump all that stuff into next week's show. So for this week, just enjoy our unbearable weight of massive talent interviews with Pedro, where we talk about what it was like to work alongside his idol like Nick Cage, what it was like trying to not get blown off screen by him, the moment that he realized that the Mandalorian would have Star Wars magic and more. And then with Nick, we're, I actually just tried to ask him as deep of questions as possible. So we talked about the legacy of his career, his acting technique, his inspiration for playing Dracula in Renfield, and what about the future of film inspires and scares him the most. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, first is Pedro and then is Nick. Folks, today I am joined by Pedro Pascal, an actor you know from projects such as Game of Thrones, Wonder Woman 1984, The Mandalorian, and his latest film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which hits theaters on April 22nd. Pedro, how are you today, sir? And thank you so much for joining me. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm it's doing my well. It's pleasure to join you. I love that sweater, man. Oh, thanks. That's looking thank great. Um, congrats on the film. Keeping As me I- awake. <laughs> i'm sure it's been a long weekend man i've seen you at the premiere and i'm sure you've been wall to wall with folks like me so let me just start with congrats on the film as i told nick i was literally slapping my knee and stomping my feet from laughing so hard and i think what's really cool about this film is that it's the first time in a long time that i could remember laughing like that in a theater and i think that's going to be the case for a lot of people man Oh, man, I hope you're right. It's the same for me. We premiered the movie at South by Southwest and it was a packed theater and it was my first time in a packed theater and I can't remember when. And um, it just felt like a rock concert. And I had one of the best. It was it was it was strange to be in the movie. I had such a good time. Um, so what I'm curious about is what is your psyche like heading into day one of shooting, right? Because not only are you starring alongside Nick Cage, an iconically scene-stealing performer, but you're starring alongside Nick Cage who's playing himself, right? Is there an element of you trying to go toe-to-toe with him, of not wanting to be blown off the screen? I'm just curious of what's it like starring hand-in-hand right alongside such an iconic performer like him? I guess if... I was going to um, do my job correctly. Uh, To be intimidated is completely, completely natural, but to be worried that they're going to kind of blow you off screen wouldn't really be good logic for the heart of the character. So it was really easy to kind of anchor myself into admiration and worship. And if he wanted to blow me off the fucking screen he was allowed to blow me off the screen if he wanted to invite me into the scene if he wanted to give me light if he wanted to take it away I was his bitch basically and I (laughs) felt like that was his but I felt like that was the right thing to do to to it it was just such a it was just such a uh, it it was the right thing to do for the character and to tell the story and um and and of course he you know didn't want to do any of those things he's a complete professional he's an incredible scene partner 
um, there was almost something about, um, I don't know, reawakening the things that you uh, care about um, and why you got into it in the first place, because he's still challenging himself. He's, he's, he's super prepared. He's coming up with new ideas. And uh, honestly, I, 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 it was a, it was an incredible challenge to rise to, but it was mostly a really beautiful um, inspiration and like reminder of why I had this fantasy to start with and then study and then job was because of how he feels and how he treats acting. I got that same sense from him when I spoke to him. Something he brought up a few times was how much it scared him and why he took that on. And I just asked of you because I'm curious if elite actors have the same mentality as elite athletes. Like if you're guarding LeBron James, you got to bring your A game that night. So I was just curious if it's the same thing in your line of work. But the next point I... Well, I definitely didn't feel like I could slack off. You know what I mean? Like I I, I certainly... my um my my best efforts were brought to each day of work i guess what i mean to say is that it wasn't hard because i felt held you know what i mean like right, yeah you have some it was along for the ride with you it, absolutely all you had to do was agree to dance right right got you so i am utterly fascinated by the arc of your career and your rise stardom i genuinely mean when i say i think you and your team are doing an incredible job of selecting projects and building momentum off each one to that end don't give, don't, don't give my agents any credit they don't deserve they don't that's let, all let's you not plug, let's not plug my agents in this all right well if they're in the room with us <laughs> <laughs> sorry fellas and ladies just but kidding let, they're amazing let me just ask you how do you go about choosing your roles and what about this role drew you to it was there a portion of it being like hey everyone check it out i could do comedy too actually my agent really really loved this project and he called me about it i was <laughs> um at the airport you know sometimes you you, you get an email or you, you get asked if you're interested in something this was like a phone call to tell me how excited he was about a script and then he he told me what it was about, which I thought was hilarious. Um, uh, I, I read it. I read it that day, and um, and and honestly, like it, 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 I'm a big movie nerd. And if um, you just look at my timeline, and if at the age that I started to consume cinema, um, Nicolas Cage was just so much a part of it, and um, and and he's kind of my Brando, you know, mm. and and. Uh, and and within every kind of uh, genre of of, of movies, uh, whether it's a, a comedy or low budget independent or something big and commercial or action or whatever, he was still bringing, you know, these uh, wild characters to life. So um, that was obviously the biggest draw to me. And then having lunch with Tom Gormican and Kevin Etten and um, and talking about Nicolas Cage, that was really. The, the, that, the, that's all that we talked about. I felt like I may have known a little bit more than they did about his career. Um, and, uh, and, and, that, and that could be what, you know, got me the part um, was my, my true love of uh, Nicolas Cage. Well, to that end, what did you learn from him that you'll take with you going forward in your work? I guess I would learn that, you know, to just never stop 
caring and, and, and to always keep learning and keep challenging yourself. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I couldn't have worked with somebody that was more thoughtful and, um, and also like, you know, genuinely dedicated and, um, it, 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 it can, it was sort of like the portrait of what I kind of dreamed about and what my greatest influence was and to actually kind of see it executed in front of me or for that to be my actual scene partner kind of reminded me to not be lazy, to never get complacent and to, and that if you don't, if, if you don't care, you can't do it, you know? Right. So you always have to keep caring and, um, and risking and, and just, you know, really putting everything that 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 you have into it no matter what which i think he's done in every single type of movie he's ever made yeah um there's a scene where your character and nick go through let's call it an adventure through the town and i said this to nick you guys do an incredible job of portraying what it's like being on you know to not spoil that um substance were you drawing from any personal experience in that scene? And, and, and how did you go about crafting that part of your performance? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, let me just say, as somebody who, you know, is aware, I thought you guys did an absolutely incredible job of just like the wide-eyed disorientation. <laughs> there was a funny thing that I did do, actually. Um, yeah, I took a bunch of drugs that day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I actually looked at, just out of curiosity, I went to YouTube and, 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 and somebody had kind of, um, uh, tried to at least as accurately as possible, create what the visual experience is, um, just to teach myself or refresh in my memory. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, and, and it was just so kind of, it was such a practical thing to do that to actually, uh, make myself um, use my eyes to sort of like change the details of what is visually surrounding me may have, may have, may have helped. Man, you guys, it, it was a riot, an absolute riot. So thank you for that laugh. I genuinely mean that. Um, you brought up when you got the script. What was your reaction when you first read it? Were you able to visualize and see the full scope of it? At what stage of the process where you like oh i get what we're going for here now i think the thing that i i was i was most um engaged by was uh how good the relationships in the movie were the friendship between uh nicholas cage and and javi and also uh, sharon horgan and and lily sheen his family and um and and i just and even you know his relationship to his agent um, and I just really believed these relationships. I found them really engaging because yes, the idea is fantastic, especially if you're a Nicolas Cage fan, it, 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 you couldn't think of something better, uh, but it wouldn't work if you didn't believe the relationships in, in the movie and, and actually almost kind of forget about the meta aspect and, and then just get invested in, and have a good time, which I think ultimately, I didn't think they'd be able to pull off I thought that it was like a really, really great idea. And it's just so unfortunate that it probably won't work. And I will say <laughs> it really did. I really had the best time when I That's saw awesome. it. And I'm really, really proud of Tom and Kevin and Nick and everyone involved because 
I just had such a good time and I miss movies. And this movie, you know, it, it just made me remember what movies are. Mm. Yeah, well, the fun that you guys have definitely comes through. I want to swing over to Mando, but I'm going to do my best not to pry season three because I'm sure you get that. Well, I'm not going to tell you nothing. I know, I know. But I do want to ask sort of looking backwards. I grew up with the prequels, right? And for me, this show was the first time I finally like understood Star Wars magic. It was the scene in the season one finale when you guys are holed in at the bar and Mando, the door opens and you kick your way out and the score swells up. And for the first time in my life, I was like, wow, Star Wars magic. I finally get it. Is there a moment like that for you? in your show or the franchise at large? Well, I was born in 75. So Star Wars is just part of my upbringing. Um, uh, the, 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 the first films. Uh, and um, it was, it was uh, similarly, like it is to kind of step on set and, and, and get in front of the camera with, Nicholas Cage is your scene partner is a very similar experience to have like stepped onto the set of Mandalorian and um and and because there's so much that is made visually with this um volume apparatus that is kind of a new wave of technology but there are very very practical effects that are involved in these very immaculate incredible sets that are built and um and yeah, it was like stepping into your uh, uh, your own imagination that was so influenced by these first films that came out, and and there couldn't be anything um, more uh, bizarre and, and and beautiful in that regard, you know, because it was so much a part of my childhood um, experience. Why do you think that this show has connected to fans in such a way? If the last 10 years have taught us anything about Star Wars, it's very hard to please a large portion of the base. What do you think that your show is doing well? I think it's just, I think it's really, really I think it's really simple. I think it's just because John Favreau and Dave Filoni um, and everyone behind the show love uh, Star Wars so much. Yeah, gotcha. And All take right. the time to actually like, prioritize that love and to nurture that and to find the stories through uh, something that's very close to their hearts. Similarly, just to plug this movie as well, as Tom and Kevin have done with like their love of Nicolas Cage, you know, right. it's kind of what makes it work. It's caring about it so much um, so that, so that, uh, you know, that, that translates, people can feel that. Right. Pedro, I have, like I said at the top, I have been fascinated by your arc these last few years. I think you've turned into one of the most likable, easy to root for movie stars that we have. I wish you all the best going forward, whether it be what? You're going to make me cry. Oh. <laughs> I was like, did over. I offend him? Did I offend him? <laughs> no. Making me emotional. No, but seriously, man, I, I, I love great your work. Guy. You seem like such a great guy, and I can't wait to see all the stuff that you have for us in the next few years, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks so Thanks. much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Pedro. Take care, sir. Folks, usually I start these off with a nice lengthy intro about the career, about the person we're going to speak to. But for the first time ever, and I genuinely mean this, it is a man who needs one, who does not need one. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Oscar winner Nicolas Cage. How are you today, sir? And thank you so um, very, much for joining me today. 
Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You're looking quite sharp at this time of the day. <laughs> yeah. I Well, I'm in New York. I have an interview down the road uh, with the New York Times, so I thought I'd uh, put on a suit with a tie. You're looking sharp, sir. So let you. me just say congrats on the film. It is an absolute riot. I was literally slapping my knee and stomping my feet from laughing so hard. And I think oh. what's very cool about this film is that it's <clears> the first time that I could remember laughing that hard in a theater for a long time. And I think that that's going to be the case for a lot of people. So I'm so I, I'm so happy to hear you say that. And I'm happy you saw it in a cinema with with an audience packed house. It was a riot. Right. Nick. It really it was right. it was phenomenal. So where I want to start was one of my notes was that this film very much felt like a celebration of the last generation of filmmaking, really. How does it feel knowing that your filmography and your work has become such a staple of pop culture in and of itself? And what do you think that it says about your work that you've created this sort of legacy? Well, I, I well, well, first and foremost, I'm I'm very thankful that there that it has communicated and that people have responded and and that some there was a relationship there between the work and the audience, and that was something that was important to me. You know, growing up being a a cinephile and a film enthusiast myself, I felt like when I saw Marlon Brando um, that I knew what he was doing and I had my own relationship with him and that was a secret between me and him. And, and, and that's what I was hoping I could get with, with, with folks that would see my movies, that, that, that it would be deeply personal. And that uh, for me, I, I feel that it's, it's very, uh, validating and actualizing that whatever my dreams were with film performance, um, that they communicated with an audience, uh, whether they scared the crap out of uh, Hollywood <laughs> or, or directors or, or producers or not, that the audience was always with me. There was always a, a group of folks that were enthusiastic and I'm thankful for that. And I'm deeply appreciative of, uh, appreciative of that. And I think what it means is that, um, you know, I got a, a little bit of flack when I said, oh, I don't like the word actor. I, I prefer thespian. I didn't say don't call me an actor, call me a thespian. They turn into that. What I was trying to say was that the process for me speaks more to the idea of narrating a story of imagination or a story of emotion as opposed to lying about it. And so it was a more of a spiritual process. And, and in that communication, if you're, if I'm looking for the, the, the truth, the story, then hopefully the, you or the people in the audience will sen sense the sincerity in that as opposed to an act. Well, I think if there's one thing that you've conveyed in your career, it's that you're sincere when you're on camera. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, what are some elements of your craft that you tapped into while making this film? that you maybe never have before or haven't for a long time? The idea of playing some version of oneself with one's own name in a movie is terrifying and um, daunting. And that was brand new. I had never done that before. 
And because I'm a student looking to learn something and to grow, and I'm because I was afraid of it, and one of my mantras is within reason, as long as you're not hurting yourself or someone else, the very thing you're afraid of is what you should go towards because you will ultimately grow and learn something. I made this movie, but the whole time I was trying to facilitate Tom Gormican's version of so-called Nick Cage and also protect so-called Nick Cage's version of himself because it had my name. I couldn't hide behind a character. The similarities I, I would say that I had done before was adaptation, you know, that I was playing the twins and Charlie and Donald Kaufman, but that movie was the most demanding movie I've ever made. It was more dialogue than I've ever had before. And to go back and forth from de each day from Charlie to Donald was, acrobatic and i don't know that i could do it again but when i was doing the scenes with nikki it, it reminded me a little of that in a very small scale it's very cool to hear you bring up charlie kaufman he is responsible for my favorite film of all time eternal sunshine oh um, yeah and also you know all of his movies uh to me are um in and of themselves and unlike anything else. And what's interesting about Charlie, just to digress, he, um, I interviewed him at length and I, and I, and I really got him on, on tape and I promised him I would burn all the tapes so I could study his mannerisms and all that. But at one point I said to him, you know, I'd like to write too. Do you, do you, I don't, I'm terrified of writing. I said, do you have any recommendations? What, what can I do to get past my fear? And I, and he said, well, what are you afraid of? I said, well, I'm worried that it won't have a beginning and a middle and an end. And he just said, well, if you just start writing, it will naturally have a beginning and a middle and an end. Whatever you write has a beginning and a middle and an end. <laughs> just, it was so simple. And yet, yeah, okay. That took the pressure off. You, um, know? you actually touched on something that I was going to ask you about. You said <clears throat> that, that playing yourself is a terrifying thing. So I'm curious, what was the most difficult aspect of the self-examination nature of this film and what was the most rewarding well the, the 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 most terrifying aspect of it for me was that it would lapse into some kind of like saturday night live skit of mockery and also you know through the beginning of the movie this character is uh neglecting his ch child uh, his daughter played beautifully by lily sheen and there's no version of Nick Cage, so-called Nick Cage, or me, Nick Cage, that doesn't want to spend as much time with his children as much as possible. So that was a complete departure. But Tom Gormican said, you know, we're making a movie here, and this is an arc, and we have to go from a guy who's overly career-minded to a guy who ultimately evolves into a, a sincere family man. I am a family man at heart. My family comes first. So that was the first departure. The similarities, I think, are I do have an off-the-wall sense of humor. I, I do like to get goofy. I do like to make people laugh and be uh, absurd in my facial expressions at home to make my wife laugh or my children laugh. I enjoy that. And that that is in the movie as well. I love the scene at the wall where, where, where I hit. It had to be three hits. There was a real... Uh, uh percussion to that it was like no huh, 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 huh. it's all it's all by design you know it's like from the ridiculous to to sublime it is by design i don't want to spoil so i will just say 
the the vehicle that allows that scene to come to be. I've been on <laughs> yeah. I've been on that car before, and you did a great job of portraying Thank that to you. both well, of you. Well, I won't mention any words alluding to that, but I've been on that car a million years ago with a certain friend of mine who everyone knows, and uh, whew, I never I'll never do that again. <laughs> well, you did a great job of selling it, man. Let, let me ask you, your acting technique has become famous in and of itself. What was that? What was it like applying that process even further inward to a character that's literally not literally you, but a version of you? You know, it, it was surprisingly not very different from what I and I was pleasantly surprised by this from what I normally do. Uh, you know, film performance for me has been something almost spiritual. I, I have a very close relationship with my muse and um, she has never forsaken me. She's always there and I always say thank you. And um, so when I did take on the role of so-called Nick Cage, I still checked in with my muse and uh, and the process was very similar with the added element of being a producer, which I was on this movie, and also wanting to protect a character whose name is the same as mine. So there was a little, it was a, it was a very fine balance of not wanting to get too precious with the character. So I could also be, you know, uh, making jokes about myself and sending myself up, so to speak, and facilitate the director's vision. But also I was, I was, making sure that this was still a person that this wasn't just a caricature i mean it is a comedy but the family drama aspects of it work too and that they have a symbiotic relationship that makes each other stronger i think so too and i'm glad you mentioned that because you know i saw the movie with a live audience in texas and it, it was a it was a wonderful experience and everybody was having so much fun but I did walk away from it and I thought, wow, you know, Nick Cage, so-called Nick Cage is a pretty soft guy, you know, I mean, and I, and I realized that that is me. I am vulnerable. I am genuinely soft with my, my children and my family. And I think if there, if there was something that is genuinely truthful about the performance, as far as it pertains to this character is that it's that softness within the family. So I want to swing over to a radically different role than this one. You're playing yourself here. That is unique and has never been done before on film. One of your next big roles is that of Dracula, which is literally one of the most legendary characters of all time. Yeah. What's your process of adding your own layers to a character that's been done time and time again? That's a really good question. Uh, well, let me start by saying, um, I don't know how to say no to Dracula. So when they offered me Dracula, I was like, well, yeah, let, this is scary. Let's bring that on. It's scary because the character is scary, but it's also, as you so well pointed out, it's been done uh, and it's been done well. Uh, it's also been done not so well. And I thought <laughs> that, you know, I could do something with my own uh, enthusiasm about Bram Stoker's book, as well as Christopher Lee's performance in the Hammer films, as well as Langella's performance, as well as Oldman's performance, as well as Lugosi's performance. I, I, I wanted to uh, embrace elements of each of them, but also Orlock and Max Schreck. I want to get some of the German expressionism and some of the body language in it. 
but by and large, I'm I'm channeling my my uh, my father, uh, August uh, Coppola, who had a mid he had a mid Atlantic ass, uh, accent, and uh, he always spoke. You know, Nicholas. You know, let me explain something to you, Nicholas. And I never understood his accent. I was like, Dad, why are you? Why do you? What is this? Why are you talking like that? He goes, You want to know why I talk like this, Nicholas? Because I made a, a, a decision to speak with distinction. Okay, I'm a literature professor. Okay. <laughs> that's how I talk and it, it's just it's kind of amazing to me how much yeah that with the hands how much he resembles Christopher Lee is, is remarkable so I just thought okay dad looks like Christopher Lee dad kind of sounds like he's in a hammer horror film and I did dad in Vampire's Kiss so I'm going to bring him back from from the afterlife as Dracula <laughs> combined with all the other elements I I, uh, I mentioned earlier well, I think I speak for all film fans when I say I can't wait for that. That first look photo of you in that suit that dropped the past week or so was oh, electric. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you that, you know, I had a lot of help with it. I mean, it's 50% of it. The performance is the, the Lisa with the wardrobe and the clothing design and Christian with the makeup and Jules with the hair. Oh, yeah. we, we did go for that 60s look. The hammer horror film look but but then the 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 clothing is well i would wear that in my own life <laughs> <laughs> just dye that suit purple and, and you're there yeah let me ask yeah. you sir i've got a wrap here and you feel like an actor who's a uniquely deep thinker so i feel like you're qualified to speak on this more than basically anyone i've ever spoke to what about the future of film inspires you the most and what about it scares you the most What inspires me the most is probably the same thing that scares me the most. And that's an interesting statement in itself, I think, having to think about it now. But what I'm inspired by is the idea of a young filmmaker who's doing movies on his cell phone or her cell phone and, and it's, it's speaking to what's happening now in the culture, in the zeitgeist around the world in terms of how information is deployed and what will that look like in the context of a, of a movie narrative? What will that person bring to the filmmaking narrative? Because they're, the Z generation is the now, but it's also scary because I worry about things like <clears throat> attention span and mm -hmm. what's happened to me in terms of the memification, which has been both positive and negative. Positive in that these memes have enabled people to give me another life in terms of, oh, that's an interesting expression, but it loses the context of how the character got to that point in the first place. Although maybe it will inspire people to look at the full two hour movie or the 90 minute movie to see how the character got to that place that became, you don't say, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm, I'm both, I'm both inspired and scared of that. Like, and what, it's interesting. I said to my manager, who's also a producer on this movie, Mike Nylon, I said, you know, it's always going to be a young filmmaker who is going to, bring something and reinvent me and i'm waiting for that person to show up and he did show up with pig it's michael sarnowski i call mm. him archangel michael that person showed up but that person is interested in slow movies and taking your time he loved a movie called revanche 
I think it was a French film. And, and you know, that that's different. But I know I'm going to have an experience where I'm going to meet someone who's doing cuts like on his, self, her, his or her cell phone. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but I know right. it's going to happen. Well, Nick, sir, thank you so much for your time. You brought up Pig. I just want to say quick, the last shot of that film stuck with me for weeks. You have been a, an icon for as long as I am. I've been alive. So I want to thank you for your career and your contribute thank to this you. work. And also thank for you. showing people that it's, okay to unabashedly be yourself. I find it very inspiring. <laughs> thank sir. you. Well, I make the movies for you. So that, thank you for saying so. Thank you, sir. Take care. Right, and take care. You thank too. You, All right, y'all. Thanks to Nick and Pedro for joining me this week. Thank you to Lionsgate for setting that up. I had an absolutely amazing time. Make sure to go see The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent when it hits theaters on April 22nd. It is genuinely one of the funniest studio comedies that I could remember seeing in a long time. It is the hardest I've laughed in a theater in a long time. I imagine it will be the same for you and is 100% worth seeing with a bunch of people. Like I said at the top, make sure to join us again next week where we will be recapping episodes three and four of Moon Knight. We will be discussing whatever news pops up between now and then. We'll talk about this week's news that DC Films may see an overhaul now that the merger between Warner Bros. and Discovery has gone through. And also next week, we've got an interview with Alexander Skarsgård, the star of The Northman, which is also hitting theaters next Friday. Epic, epic movie. We got a lot of exciting stuff coming up for you guys in the next few weeks and months. We got Doctor Strange in a few weeks. Really, all I can say is for the first time in a long time, it feels like movies are well and truly back. All right, y'all. Peace.